Member of the Red Sox Nation It's a kind of a family Wherever I roam A Fenway home That's where I long to be I'm a member of the Red Sox Nation It's a kind of insanity Yeah, I live and die With Red Sox pride for eternity I fake a smile Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Benny and the Bets podcast covering Boston Red Sox baseball. For everyone staying up late tonight on Periscope, this podcast can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Spreaker, Stitcher, Player FM, and any place you can find it on Google. And believe me, there are several more. Red Sox just wrapped up game three with the Houston Astros. Uh, score was 8-2 Red Sox. They take a 2-1 to lead in the ALCS. I am Terry Cushman, and I am joined, as always, by Jeremy Schilling. Jeremy, how are you? Terry, I'm fucking fantastic. How are you, buddy? <laughs> I'm good, man. I didn't expect to. When I, when I, mean, I, how the hell can you not be in a good mood if you're a Boston Red Sox fan right now? I mean, this team is just. Oh my god, I'm so excited to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, I'll. I'm gonna eat a lot of crow if it. You know, if I'm wrong for the second consecutive playoff round, I. I said. Four to two Astros, and I guess in my mind, I didn't really ever anticipate leading the series other than maybe game one, but um, I was probably the least shocked of anyone that we didn't win it, and uh, it's just everything's going the opposite, you know, the Yankees hadn't lost at Yankee Stadium, but then we win both games there, and then it's impossible to win a David Price start, and even though he didn't win, the Red Sox won, and uh, you know, take the first game in Houston. It's just absolutely insane how this is playing out. Well, you know, insane is your word, Terry, because one of us <laughs> True. picked the Boston Red Sox to win the, the series. So confidently in seven <laughs> games, but yeah, confidently exactly. Well, I mean, you know. Yeah. All I'm going to say is the facts are that one of us picked the Sox to win the series. And so. it wasn't me, so fair enough. <laughs> All right. So, um, admittedly, um, the game started a little too early uh, before I could get home. I think it was. I think I got home in time for the sixth inning, which is when uh, things kind of got hot and heavy. But uh, Nathan Avaldi looked pretty well, about as good as we could have expected uh, coming into this game. Totally agree. Um, I was in a weird circumstance where I could I watched like the first inning, then then had to listen to two innings, and then watch an inning and listen to an inning. So um, I'm not necessarily in any better spot than you are to um, to give early commentary. Um, I thought he, you know, the first inning I did see, and both starters were clearly tight. Um, and then both starters settled down immediately into the second inning. Um, 
The difference in the game is that Evaldi had in the fifth and sixth quick innings, uh, or I'm sorry, fourth and fifth, he had quick innings, which allowed him to go out for the sixth. Um, with Keiko being pulled, so you know, in the in the matchup of starters, Evaldi came out on top, which I don't know that a lot of people predicted. Um, so it's one of those situations where a lot of things happened that were kind of not expected, uh, starting, I guess, maybe with Evaldi for some people who didn't see it coming. I felt he was going to give us a chance to win, and he did. I felt like Keiko was going to give the Astros a chance to win, and he did. Um, the bullpen continues to be kind of surprising. It's a complete reversal, of course, from the from the regular season. Um you know, and the timely hitting is starting to be something you can't ignore. Bradley Jr., obviously, with just an absolute massive hit. Um, the Pierce narrative is so cool in my mind because he grew up a Red Sox fan. He's so goddamn down to earth that it's just so, it, it, like, I love watching him succeed. And he's being put in this position because Moreland's hurt. At the same time, Moreland continues to contribute. In the, I mean, in his three last pinch hit at bats, he's got a hit, a walk, and a hit batsman. So he's one for one, getting you know, getting on base all three times. So it's just amazing to me how this team, in the big spots, continues to come out on top. Um, you know, at the same time, you know, on the flip side, the Astros outside of Bregman have not been very good. Bregman is ridiculous. Like, I don't understand how one guy can impact a baseball game as much as he is. If it wasn't for Bregman tonight, um, th- that game might have been like 12 to 1. He just, he's hes unbelievable. Like, backhand, forehand, charging and scooping and throwing a ball. Like, everything he does is like so impressive and he does it with such like swagger like it's obnoxious don't get me wrong i you know i wouldn't be upset if he got in a single vehicle car accident because he's just (laughs) such a douchebag but like there's a certain level of respect um you know and, and the proverbial tipping of the cap that goes to a guy who talks and acts the way he does and then just 100 percent unequivocally backs it up uh, but the rest of the team is not, I mean, they're, they're just not that same level. And he's super confident in his team, and he's super confident in himself. But, you know, the Red Sox, top to bottom, are outperforming the Astros, and that's very surprising uh, because our, you, know, you and I have discussed at length that we just feel like in all three main phases of the baseball game, lineup, pitching staff, bullpen, the Astros are better. Um, so... You know, uh, those are my opening thoughts anyways. Uh, I, You know, once we get to the finer points, I'll have plenty to say as usual. Yeah, you know, the the Astros, I, first of all, I fully agree on Bregman. And the thing that's so frustrating about it even more is we're just not that good in that area of the diamond defensively. I mean, it sounded like Nunez had a couple of plays that almost got – resulted in an error you know Pierce was pretty stretched out having to catch a couple of them and he tripped and hurt his ankle on one which I think would have he got the out at second it might have been a double play had he not stumbled and then that ultimately led to him coming out of the game and you just see Bregman just own that side of the diamond and it just it's just that much more painful to watch and um so 
as for somebody who did see a couple of those plays, Terry, there's such a difference defensively when you're the 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 you know whether it's the shortstop, the short, whoever fields the ball, their ability to get it to the pivot man at second base and actually relay and turn a double play. Bregman is like you know the equivalent of like Brett Favre as far as like a quick short release. And everything he does is like borderline amazing because he makes plays like where you just don't think he can get the ball out of his hand fast enough and with the velocity he does, but he can. On the flip side, the third, at least with Nunez, everything he does is like his foot slips. He's a little slow getting the ball out of the glove. He gets it to the pivot man and there's no chance to turn a double play. Or the feed to the pivot man is like, you know, left shoulder, not right shoulder. So the, the, the transition for the pivot man to get that ball out into his throwing hands is just a split second longer, and you just they're not turning double plays. And there was like three or four of them tonight. And on the flip side, and I, and I, and I don't just let, limit it to Bregman. I think just the infield defense of the Astros is so far and away better than the Red Sox. It's just so obvious at third that it's even worse. And then, you know, not to mention... Um, you know, Nunez comes out of the game. He really he beat out that ball um, for the base hit, but he was clearly hobbled, uh, and he basically almost ran down and touched the right field uh, flagpole. He clearly did not want to decelerate on that knee or hamstring or both or whatever the fuck is going on with him. Um, and then Nunez comes in the game and he doesn't make a play, and that allows the game to get tied. So it's it's just one of those situations where like Bregman is just like a goddamn vacuum. He's making every play to his right, to his left, coming in, you know. And then Boston basically can't make anything unless it's hit on a one hop right to their chest. Yeah, and th- that's one of the crazy aspects of how we're winning these games because we're just not as good defensively. But we've walked the tightrope in certain situations and. And fortunately, came out on the better end of it. So, you know, and well, that and the outfield defense, it you know, our outfield defense is superior. I think it's the best outfield defense in the league. It's phenomenal. Yeah. So, on the flip side, as bad as they are in the infield, minus short and first, um, they the, the outfield just collects everything. I mean, it's really, truly remarkable. And Ben Intendi had a ball when the game was still in, and I can't remember who hit it. But it was a low liner, and he just made it look so goddamn easy, where a lot of left fielders, like back in the Manny days, that could have been a goddamn adventure. They, and yeah. I don't know if you saw the play I'm talking about. Yeah, but. it was towards, it was like in the sixth or seventh, and uh, a lot of them would have just let it come down, but he uh, managed to stab it and, you know, made it look easy. Um, yeah, I just, you know, it's working out, and maybe we're going to see Devers a little more. I don't know how he botched that one that, that he missed. Did you see that one? Yes. It was, I mean, he, he was stretched a little bit, but it, it was semi-routine, and, and then it led to the game being tied, and I thought, oh, here we go. Because I was already worried, you know, we're not going to have Porcello to pitch an inning, and, and uh you know, luckily Brazier did really well. And I thought when he came out in the seventh, I thought that there was going to be a starter coming out. Some starting pitcher was going to come out. And I was like, would it be Porcello? Because that's what's been happening is if he comes out in the seventh, a starter comes out in the eighth. 
and I'm thinking it's too early for price. I'm like, maybe Erod, and then, and then someone tweeted at me and they said, no, it's probably going to be Barnes because if Brazier gets someone on base, he's the guy who's going to clean that up anyway. And then a minute later, sure enough, it was Barnes, and then Bradley hit that grand slam, and and you know it was all you know moot at that point. You know he could have you know, brought anybody out of the bullpen, but I just, you know, it worked out. So we got six out of Evoldi. That sixth inning, I agree, was huge because he hasn't done that very much since we've acquired him. And, um, you know, maybe with the extra rest, that helped a little bit. But um, another thing, too, nobody's really going deep very much. Like we're not seeing nearly the home run ratio we saw last off season, uh, last postseason. I mean, and you know, the, the Astros are stranding runners on, like they had opportunities to score today, but Avoldi was just able to, to get out of danger each time. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, so it, it easily could have went the other way if, uh, if they were a little more clutch, but luckily we we were the most clutch, and you know we're sitting here with the lead. So, Terry, if I could just touch on the Evaldi effect on the game, and then the effect in the bullpen. Um, first of all, just generally speaking, Evaldi has really impressed me. Again, the moment is clearly not too big for him. In fact, I think he chases the moment, which, as a fan of sports generally you just love to see um it shined through so clearly after the devers non-play that tied the game he showed literally no effect like he quickly got the next out uh like you literally blinked and the inning was over pierce comes up and hits a ball that might have killed somebody in left field if it wasn't for that wall protecting them and then he came out and just completely shoved in the sixth to the point where people on Twitter, like Lou Merloni, who's an ex-player, was like, bring him out for the seventh. And, I mean, I didn't agree with that. Um, but I think it just shows you that, like, this fan base is starting to believe in this guy, like, not just as the third starter, but maybe as your best, most consistent guy. His ability, you know, he late in that game, 85 pitches plus, he was like 101 on a couple of pitches. Like, he's healthy. He doesn't give a fuck, and the moment is just not too big for him. And I don't care how anyone wants to phrase like what he did in the fifth and sixth inning, but he picked up his teammates, especially Devers, and just said like, "Not while I'm in the game." And like to me, that like that just excites me to a level like I can't explain uh, on this pot. Like it just it it. it you know, I don't. I don't even know what to say. I just it makes me so excited. It just like it makes me love the guy. And there's an effect on you know the way he's pitching with whether he's going to be a Red Sox next year because frankly speaking, the way he's pitching, he's pitching himself out of Boston in the future. That's probably for another podcast. The big part of Avaldi being able to come out in the sixth inning though was and Terry, we talked about this while we were kind of warming up for the podcast. It let Cora go with his comfort zone, which is clearly Brazier, Barnes, and Kimbrell. So it prevented the use of a starter. And obviously, I mean, Brazier was fantastic. So Brazier also helped with the fact that he didn't have to go to a starter because the plan was to go to Barnes. 
before the uh, Grand Slam, and because he was the only guy loose, he had to come in the game for two outs. But um, I just think that Avoldi knew that he was going out for the six for that purpose, which just, again, makes me want to give him even more credit. Because now Porcello's ready to go tomorrow. we got a real chance. Like, I like Porcello versus Morton. And we're going to get into, like, tomorrow, you know, probably in about 20 minutes. So I don't want to get too much into it. But Avaldi knew it was at stake. Like, he clearly understands the game of baseball. He clearly understands the effect of what he does on not only the innings left in the game that he starts, but, like, tomorrow. And um, I just thought everything he did tonight, you know, like, I, I just, I can't, I, can't wait for his next start. I really cannot wait for his next start. So uh, can't say enough good things about Evaldi. Brazier was awesome. Barnes came in the game. Was okay. Didn't have to be great because obviously but Bradley hit the home run. And then you could actually not pitch Kimbrell. And Erod, I know it was a six-run game, but Erod, you know, did what you asked him to do. He got, he got, he got quick outs, 16 pitches. Uh, and I think that bodes well for, for any future use of him in the series or moving forward. Yeah. Um, with Avaldi, I've never really questioned his ability to handle the moment because, I mean, he was a 14-game winner one year uh, in New York as a Yankee, and, and he I think he pitched there in parts of three or four seasons. So that part I, I knew he had, and I'll fully agree that that's a critical component of being successful with, with a team like Boston because, I mean... I still question to this day that Craig Kimbrell might not be able to handle it. And, I mean, he, he's a heart attack closer for a guy who has some of the most impressive stats in the history of the game. And Mark Melanson, I, I like to call it Mark Melanson syndrome. And, and Kimbrell isn't that bad, but Melanson was really good before he got here. And really good with uh, Pittsburgh for a couple of years after he left. But you put him in a Red Sox uniform, he'd lose his fucking mind. And we had to we had to trade him midseason. And so I love that about Evoldi. I just don't think – I think he's at his ceiling, and that's a middle-of-the-rotation guy. Um, he throws absolute gas, like you said. I mean, I think he averages 98-something, but, you know, you said he hit 101 on the gun. And – but the thing about him is he's a career four-something guy. He's got Rick Porcello-type numbers in terms of ERA, and he's not a high strikeout guy. And for a guy who, who's got absolute gas, he just he just doesn't really rack up the strikeouts. And, I mean, I've got his uh, stats up right here. In all but one start, uh, which um, he, he struck out 10... Baltimore Orioles in his next to last regular season start and every other one uh bef- you know in between since we traded him he had five strikeouts four five two five zero four four five the 10 strikeout game and then four so you know he's a nice complimentary guy but I you know and I think you believe it or not I think we got a very realistic shot of, of signing him to a one or two year deal uh next year like an Alex Cobb type you know contract or a Lance Lynn type contract from last season I mean I think that's about what his market will be and I think the Red Sox would jump on it 
But, I mean, this is who he is, and, and he's basically like the Derek Lowe of, of 2004. And he's just, he's rising to the occasion. Like you said, he's not, he's not backing down. And, you know, he, he responds well to pressure. And, you know, it, it's, it's looking like a much better trade than it was looking, you know, the first or second week of September when we were scratching our heads thinking, well, geez, I thought this guy was going to be a little better than this. So he's lined up for yeah, game your seven. Analysis, your analysis there was pretty good, Terry, and you know how much I don't like to compliment you. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, he, he is. I mean, look, he's not going to be an ace, right? And he's never going to go eight innings. And it's amazing that he does throw 100. You know, he averages 98 six miles per hour on his four seamer tonight and hit 101 in his last 10 pitches a couple of times so it goes to just show you that he's strong he's healthy but it also is um sets up the narrative it's like well why doesn't he strike out more people because especially in that fifth inning his slider he was throwing it for a strike and the houston astros who are typically a pretty aggressive ball club as far as you know, aggression in the strike zone, they they didn't know what to do with that slider there for for like an inning and a half, so he was really really good with it. But and I think the answer to why doesn't he have a higher strikeout ratio is because he throws too many goddamn strikes. Yeah, he's a pitch to contact guy, is basically which is like amazing. <laughs> like so's Keuchel, but his average fastball is like eighty nine and a half miles per hour. Right. And Keuchel was a little stronger than that today. He was like ninety ninety one, but he's like that's what Keuchel is. So you're adding, you know, ten miles per hour, and they're like you're like they're they're the same pitcher. It just doesn't it does it like like. I think especially the average baseball fans like, well, why the hell does this guy throw 99 and he can't put people away? And it's like he's too aggressive in the strike zone. He, I'd love to see that slider end up off the plate. And I think if he could do that, um, you know, with two strikes, I think you'd see. I think you'd see him getting more strikeouts. Now, the other thing with his fastball is he doesn't have that, like, riding fastball. He doesn't have, like, a great cutter. He doesn't have a two-seamer that runs in off the plate on right-handers. So, generally speaking, he's just, he, you know, his fastball is relatively straight by Major League Baseball standards. So, it's a pitch that, with the velo, it doesn't necessarily get hit hard, but it gets hit. It gets put in play. Whereas, if you have, you know sale where he's throwing you know he's got cut or slide um on his fastball he's going to get more and and he has the ability to elevate with movement which just generally ends in more strikeouts so i think that's why his strikeout is not that great but you know i don't think anyone's going to be able to debate the fact that red sox nation right now trusts Avaldi. they trust him to throw strikes and they trust that even if he's not you know, dominant because he gave up two runs and he wasn't necessarily completely dominant tonight. But I mean, he's not going to lose you a game like David Price is. No, absolutely not. And it's just crazy that he's already a two-game winner. You know, and I think that these might be his only playoff starts anyway. And yeah, no, he's two and zero in the playoffs. Yeah, he and starts. here's David Price in eleven years, still, you know, oh for nine. the bullpen. <laughs> making the bullpen like oh my god i don't want to get to go down that rabbit hole but like if he could just give half as many fucks 
starting a playoff game as he gave manicuring that bullpen mound, he'd be a goddamn Hall of Famer. Like, he, the, the level of care he had there was, like, so comical because he can't get people out in the playoffs. But he's sitting there, like, flipping the rake over and using the flat part to, like, soften his, like, landing spot and then flips it back over to move. Like, it's like, Jesus Christ, David, maybe you should be a landscaper in the playoffs because that, that seems like it fits for you. Like, yeah. it's just Jesus Christ. That was funny. I saw Carabas. No, I think it was his uh, counterpart there on Section 10. But, yeah, and uh, we might see him tomorrow. Who knows? I mean, uh, that lines up with how he's been using uh, – Alex Cora has been using Porcello and also Chris Sale. Uh, let's uh, we we kind of have to give Bradley his due here real quick. And we, we discussed him a little bit last night and – um, we both agreed the the three run bases clearing uh, double he hit was a bit of a cheap, you know, hit down the opposite field line on what looked like somewhat of a defensive swing. But I can't remember if I said it last night or if I just thought it. And I said that could spark something. And tonight you did say it. Oh, uh, did I? Okay, I couldn't remember. Yeah. And. I, and to be fair, we we have Osuna's number, and I, I heard a stat in the post-game interview. I guess Bradley has the most at-bats of anyone on the roster against Osuna. So um, there, there was some familiarity there, but, uh, you know, just absolutely cr- clutch uh, shot, you know, similar to Shane Victorino five years ago and um, really took all the stress out of that game. Yeah, I mean, I it, you know, if I could have given him a hug, I would have. Um, <laughs> don't tell Alex Cora that Jackie Bradley has the clutch gene, because it doesn't you know, exist. Uh, Cora can feel like that's a that's a real factor. <laughs> okay, he has two hits in the series, and he is already fourth most all time RBIs in a single playoff. Um, not playoff series in the playoffs in a single season. Like, up there with Manny and David and Trot and all those big years that those guys had. He's had two fucking hits. And it just happened to be with the bases loaded, and one was a grand slam, and one was a three-run double because the padding on the left field wall decided to, you know, chip along his little baseball there. Yeah, I know. So, I mean, he's hitting 200. <laughs> he hasn't been good. He had one, like, excuse me, double. And then he absolutely crushed the ball to right off Asuna, who clearly didn't have it. So, I mean, it's just like, I don't even know what to say about Bradley besides the fact that I'm very happy that he's done what he's done. But he's been a zero otherwise. He's been an absolute zero otherwise. Like, still swinging and missing through pitches, still not making solid contact, except for one swing that resulted in a grand slam. So, like, I honestly don't know what to say about Bradley. Like, I don't think he's, like, hot, and I don't think you're going to see a game where he's going to go three for four and, like, maybe turn over the lineup and just, you know, give the Sox a chance to dominate because Betts keeps coming up with people on base. That's not what I think is going to happen. And I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't get another hit. Or And I also apparently wouldn't be surprised if he had another, you know, two RBI swing that, that gives you a game. But it just he's he's been weird, frankly speaking. And, you know, one of the things that TBS uh, mentioned, and I think right before or during Osuna's outing, that a lot of those guys um, 
haven't pitched in a while because the the ALDS went so easily their way. And then they brought in guys like, and I can't remember the guy, was it Green who faced Pierce where he hit the ball off the back wall in left field? Like that guy hadn't pitched in a week. Osuna hadn't pitched since last Tuesday, according to TBS. So some of those key guys in the bullpen just haven't thrown meaningful pitches in a long time. And I thought that really showed in that Osuna outing because – he really didn't give his team a chance to win tonight. I mean, he stunk out loud. Hits Moreland on the on the elbow. Uh, hits Holt. Um, you know, it just and he was up on Holt. I think that was a one-two pitch, if I'm not mistaken. So again, just um, all the key plays went, you know, went the Sox way. Yeah, with Osuna though, I think it's a sim. It's like a David Price Yankees effect. I really think there is something to it because we did hit him pretty hard when he was uh, the Jays' closer. I remember at least a couple of blown saves. So, uh, you know, I, that might be lingering in his head, and and there there could also be something to the uh, inactivity as well. But uh, it, it it seemed like a perfect storm anyway. Um, well, he's not Presley. I'll tell you right now, that guy is living up to the billing. Oh, yeah. I mean, two Ks, 13 pitches, 10 strikes. I mean, I, I don't know that I've ever felt so confident in the Red Sox' inability to score a run in an inning as that inning that he pitched. I think it was the seventh inning, if I'm not mistaken. It was, yeah. That guy is, Jesus Christ, that guy's filthy, man. I, again, I hope he slips on a banana peel. Yeah, and just think, though, I mean, there were all these rock star closers available. Herrera, you know, out of Kansas City, and he ended up getting hurt, unfortunately. But uh, Britain was on the market. Um, I'm sure there was one or two others. Um, and then Presley, uh, just a very under-the-radar guy in, in Houston, plucked him out of Minnesota. And, you know, I guess they worked. You know, they got that spin rate magic or whatever, and I, I think they kind of, you know helped incorporate that into his uh, repertoire, but he's only given up two earned runs since July 11th, so just on a very... Yeah, he's, he, he, he's a bad man. There's no question about it. Yeah. You know, but but I thought A.J. Hinch actually had a factor in the loss for the Astros. I was a little bit surprised at 84 pitches that Keiko wasn't back in the game. I mean, he hadn't given up an earned run since the first inning, or running since the first inning. He had a stretch there where I think he had eight in a row, and then I think he had seven in a row at one point or six in a row. Like He was really good after the first inning. Uh, he really did give them a chance to win. And and I thought that, that you know, Cora went with Evaldi in the sixth, and it made all the difference in the world with being able to limit who had to pitch out of the bullpen. And the Astros did, did the exact opposite. And obviously, and it wasn't Green, it was Smith. I made up Green. I, I think that's a made-up baseball player. Okay. Smith came in and gave up. And it wasn't like a terrible pitch, but Pierce was obviously looking for it because he absolutely fucking crushed it. Um, you know, it's like one of those situations where – I was just surprised by it. So Smith comes in and gives him the home run. And then they bring in Sip to face Devers in the sixth inning. And he's the only left-handed guy they have. And I'm just like, A.J. Hinch, what are you doing? Like, it's the sixth inning. Like, why are you burning your one left-handed reliever now? And I think he walked uh, Devers in a really good at-bat by Devers. And I think and it came right after he made that kind of non-play at third. So I was really impressed by that at bat. Okay, fine, right? Like, So it's a one-run game. Pierce hits the home run. So Presley comes in the game, and he's absolutely dominant. 
and then you don't throw him another inning? Like, it's the playoffs, dude. Like, what are you doing, AJ? You know, and I don't know you from a hole in the wall, but it just seemed to me, like, watching the game, that Presley had, like, the lowest leverage inning of the entire game. I was shocked that they, they didn't feel like they could stretch him to two innings or at least let him start that inning and get another out. And, like, if you're going to cap him at 25 pitches, fine. Let him throw 12, 12 pitches in the seventh. But he was just so freaking dominant. You bring in Osuna, he stunk out loud, and the game was over. Yeah. So, again, like, it just seemed to me that Cora had the full pulse of his team and his bullpen and, and his pitching situation, and he knew that Evaldi getting to the sixth. And, by the way, credit to us, because we talked about this yesterday at some length. The difference between Evaldi in five innings and Evaldi in six was exactly what happened tonight. Like, we absolutely nailed it. So, um, it, it just seemed like Cora won tonight, and he made all the right decisions, and he pressed all the right buttons, and A.J. Hinch... Um, was surprisingly bad. Yeah, he was. And I hear that from some people. They say he's not a good manager. And one thing is that might be screwing with his head a little bit is I think Cora has the advantage based on the intel, you know, because he hung out with all those guys. He knows how AJ thinks, and AJ knows that. So I don't know if there's a little bit of that going on. But also, why don't we just dive into this real quick? Um there was also um, a controversy which came to light tonight, I think during the actual game. And apparently in game one, there was a suspicious person in the uh, credentialed area of the uh, press box. And I don't know if it, if it was the Red Sox press box or the Astros press box, but... Someone was somewhere they shouldn't have been, and they had a camera, and Fenway security approached the guy, asked for his credentials, apparently. He didn't have any, so they removed him, and as they were removing him, an Astros employee, and it wasn't specific to as to what type of employee, but an Astros employee tried to intervene and say, hey, he's our guy. He should be allowed in there. So now so now the Astros have kind of owned it in a way, haven't they? You know, they're like, you know, he was in there recording and was observed sending several text messages. And MLB is investigating it. They have acknowledged that there is, in fact, an investigation, and they don't believe it's an isolated incident. So they think that similar actions were taking place in the ALDS against the Indians. So there's that's a giant can of worms, obviously. You know, is there going to be suspensions, bannings for life i mean we've seen that happen a couple of times recently you know with the atlanta gm and um when well, did that guy hack the database you know i mean similar all right look speaking of similar actions which you know is like kind of a term of art there are similar actions happening on every single ball ball club in major league baseball the Red Sox are doing something we don't know about, and they're being better about it than everyone else because we don't know about it. But, like, everyone does it. 
everyone tries to steal signs. Everyone tries to get an advantage. Everyone tries to understand what the what the relay from the manager to the third base coach is. Everyone tries to put something on their forearm to give them a better grip, or a catcher who puts it on the inside of his glove to give him a little bit, you know, more grip to throw the ball to second base or whatever it is. Like it's one of the things I absolutely love about baseball. Baseball has more gray area than any other of the major American sports leagues. And I absolutely love it. And I love the gamesmanship that goes on. So, you know, and Alex Court came out. I, I, I made a point, Terry, to go and hear what Alex had to say about it. And he said it was a complete non-factor, which I absolutely love because that's how I feel. Um, he doesn't want it to be a factor because he's got some guy, you know, in the in the Bobby Valentine Mets costume trying to do the same goddamn thing. And so no one wants to talk about it. Like, someone in Major League Baseball caught him, fine. Like, don't be so obvious. Be better at cheating. Like, you know, and I don't even call it cheating. I just call it trying to gain a competitive advantage. I mean, you know, <clears throat> you know, in my, you know, in playing baseball, and of course I was not a professional baseball player, but I did play in college. And like, yeah, we, you know, we knew people were trying to steal signs, so we always had a dummy guy giving signs. So we had two guys at the end of the dugout, one gave the live sign and one gave a fake sign. And we flip-flopped it or didn't flip-flop it a number of times so that the person always changed. And there was really, if you did it right, there was no way to steal the sign. But we knew that that was a factor. We knew that people were looking for it. And it's, and it's even, you know, it's times 10 in Major League Baseball because of the ability of these clubs to, to, to deploy personnel and equipment and technology. So I'm just, like, I, like, I think it's a story because, you know, a lot of people are going to talk about it over the next day or so. Um, and I think it's a factor because obviously Major League Baseball has acknowledged it and said that it's an issue. But, like, I don't see it that way. I see it as, like, don't get caught. You know, Barnes hopefully didn't – it didn't look like he had anything on his forearm tonight. So he kind of like, hey, they're looking, so I'm not going to do it tonight. Like, it's just part of the game. And it's what I love – and I love this game so much. Um, but it's one of the reasons why I love this game so much is like the constant gamesmanship is just like awesome. It's awesome to see. It always makes you think in a game that so many people feel is boring. There's so much to think about pitch to pitch, you know, situationally, this sort of gamesmanship is also a factor and I just absolutely love it. And so to me, it's a complete non-factor, um, you know, be better at cheating or, trying to cheat as the case may be well we're winning and so i mean i don't really i don't have a strong opinion one way or the other but that doesn't mean mlb won't and and that's where i'm, I'm a little curious right now and i think this does rise significantly above the level of pine tar um so we'll just we'll just have to see but I'm just wondering what A.J. Hinch knew and if he knew it during the game. Because if you watched his press conference, extremely nervous, very disheveled. So and maybe he was just finding it out. And I think, I think we're going to see some serious repercussions of this. And it's not unprecedented. I mean, the Red Sox had the Apple Watch thing last year. That was during the regular season, though. Um, I don't know of any other comp as far as baseball goes the Patriots had that legendary Spygate scandal so it happened there um, I just I don't think I think Major League Baseball is fine with pine tar and as long as you're not putting it on your neck and insulting the intelligence of the umpires 
they're not really going to bother you with it. But something like this, I think that would rattle him a little bit. So, well, in what I read, it was like the same guy doing it. It was like becoming very obvious, and it felt to me the way the story was written. It was like, okay, we have to do something here because this is like too obvious. Like, I don't think they wanted. I don't think they wanted to have to do this. Um, but Terry, I, I'd like your opinion on, you know, where you stand on this type of gamesmanship as I call it, or what some people may call cheating. Um, because, like, I understand you think there's going to be a punishment. I don't think there's going to be a punishment. I don't think it's going to be any punishment on the field that's going to affect this series uh, moving forward. But, you know, what's your position on it? Is it cheating or is it gamesmanship? Uh, because I think I've come out and clearly said, in my opinion anyways, that it's gamesmanship. I would be aggressive with, with punishment on that, maybe at least to the level of a suspension. And, I mean, let's just look at a couple of things here. We had St. Louis Cardinals players go to jail, do prison time for hacking into into the uh, Houston Astro of all teams, you know, computer systems. They went to prison for that. Mike Coppolella, the man, uh, the previous GM of the um, of the, I'm getting a lot of background here. Sorry, okay. that was me. Sorry, my bad. So Coppolella was manipulating the um, international signing pool bonuses, which had to have been in plain sight. I mean, I don't know how all of that, all those records are kept. So. I don't know. I don't know what he was thinking, you know, in terms of manipulating the market like that. But it got to the point where he got banned for life. So, and like I said, I don't think I don't think getting caught with a camera necessarily rises to the level of that. But there is a line somewhere, and we're gonna find out in the coming days or weeks if this exceeds that line. And I hope I hope I hope we don't get caught, you know, doing it, you know, as blatantly as they appeared to be. So, yeah, I mean, so that just you're you're admitting that in some form the Red Sox are doing the same thing. Um, I think, right? Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, would I be shocked? No, but okay. it's it's yeah, something no, I would be really embarrassed about if we got caught. Yeah, Milwaukee just tied the game, by the way. I, I um, saw that. Yeah. So the, the Milwaukee Brewers and Dodgers are tied 1-1 in the top of the six. Um, look, so there's a di- serious distinction, and like not to get technical here, but the reason why the I think it was the Cardinals got in so much trouble is they committed a federal crime by intentionally manipulating and... Um, by by you know cyber whatever it is they actively and intentionally um hacked another team's private you know materials on a server that was not public in any form or fashion um teams in different states you know that that's a federal crime so and, and that guy actually got sentenced to jail, I believe. He did. Um, he went I think to it prison. was a short, a short, a short sentence at the, the you know, at Club Fed. So 
that is a completely different situation. I mean, that's a federal crime. Like, I'm sorry, Terry, if I, from my computer down here in Florida, hacked your personal files up there in Maine and I got caught, it, it doesn't matter that it has anything to do with baseball. Like, I've committed a federal crime. Now, this is not, I mean, let's not, let's separate a crime versus like a baseball penalty. <laughs> okay. Like, let's not, like, it's so different. It's such a different situation. And, and like, I get it. I don't. I don't think there should be a penalty. I think that the specific individual should be banned, or I don't even think he should be banned. I think he should be sentenced, you know, uh, suspended for a hundred games or or some significant penalty to to send a message to the next, you know, hundredth man in the in the in the uh, organization to not do it. But again, I, I don't think it's going to have any effect on the series. I don't think there's going to be a punishment for A.J. Hinch. I don't think there's going to be a punishment for anybody on the active roster, obviously. And so if you're going to take this ancillary, you know, employee of the Houston Astros and throw the book at him, fine, because it's not going to affect the, the series. If you're going to do something Major League Baseball to affect the series, I have a serious problem with that. I just have an absolute serious problem with that. Yeah, Everyone does it. Everyone does it. Uh, well, I'm not so sure because why is why is Mike Trout, you know, consistently one of the best players in the league? Why is Justin Verlander a career, you know, just above 3.0 guy? You know, they should be able to gather intel to make him a little bit worse than that. You know, some of the best pitchers of our era have have been that way for some time. So, and like I said, there's just there's not a big enough there's just not a big enough thing to compare this to a big enough sample size, I guess is what I was looking for of incidents. So, I mean, the Red Sox using Apple watches in the dugout to relay. Cause you, there's a no, there's a, there's a, obviously a no cell phone policy. And so obviously if you have a cell phone in your hand, it's like really seriously obvious. But if you know, the bench, the assistant bench coach or whoever's like, you know, the sex six man on the, uh, coaching staff has an apple watch and he's getting messages from the guy in center field relaying the signs like to me that's very similar and i can't remember the specific punishment um but i don't think it had any it had any large effect on the red sox last year um i think they actually just got fined maybe a hundred thousand dollars or something like a, a decent chunk of change but they didn't suspend the manager they didn't um do anything that was you know going to affect you know, games. Um, so I think I think they'll do something like that. Maybe I'm wrong, um, but I personally don't want an effect on the series. I would like to beat the Astros the way they are, with no excuses. I would love to shove it down Bregman's throat uh, with an Instagram post uh, from like Jackie Bradley Jr. You know, six or seven days from now, when we can hopefully close this thing out. I don't want any excuses like. You know, some arbitrary application of the rule got in the way of the Astros losing. Yeah, let me just add one, I guess, final thing, unless you want to add something after it. Um, I think the the ante is a little bit higher where they where they are the defending champs, and MLB has come out and said it's not an isolated incident. So I think the level of scrutiny is is going to be worse as well. I mean. If the Oakland A's got caught or something, it's you know not going to be quite as sensational. But um, we'll see. I mean, we can only speculate, I guess. And and like I said, I'd I'd be really I'd be mortified, especially if it happened in you know the same exact 
scenario in a in a high profile playoff series. Um, you know, because we we get shit on all the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know the you know the you know the top, the people at the top of the flagpole often see the most wind. And just from from someone that doesn't have skin in the game in this series, um, Barnes clearly had a substance on his forearm. We talked about it last night. I don't want to rehash it. But I think someone that's neutral to the series is going to look at it and go, well, which had a bigger effect on the game? You know, this creepy dude, you know, in the section next to the dugout, you know, in the camera well, or Barnes applying a foreign substance to his fingertips to have better control of his breaking pitches. And I know this is really hard, and I'm not going to say what I'm about to say. It speaks for that that you know the, the, that group of people that doesn't have skin in the series. But I, I think that a non-party to the series would say the foreign substance on the pitching arm of your best reliever is probably has a bigger effect on the game than some guy in the camera well maybe getting some information, maybe not. So, I mean, it's just, it is what it is. Um, you know, you and I texted about this, you know, before the podcast while the game was still going on. And again, you know, I, to me, it's gamesmanship, not cheating. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, and that's fine. You know, I'm just going to be curious to see uh, what the outcome is and, and how even tomorrow kind of progresses. If we're not hearing much about it, you know, by noon or so, then it's probably going to get swept under the rug for the time being. Um, well, on that, that side of it, Terry, I'll bet you a quarter that it's they announced that the investigation's ongoing and that in some time in January, on a Friday at 4 o'clock, <laughs> there's like a fine or a, or a suspension levied down on the specific individual that's like happens in some nondescript period of time where no one pays any attention to it. Because I, I just don't think they're going to want to make it a thing. Because, it's like I said, it's something that happens in every clubhouse. So I, I think that's what will happen. We're, we're investigating it. You know, we'll, you know, we'll make a determination when our investigation is complete, and that will happen in, like, the middle of January when no one's paying attention. Wait, we're still talking about the uh, the camera, though, right? Or are we talking about Barnes? Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah, yeah no, okay. like, yeah. they can't do anything to Barnes. I, I, we, we mentioned it quickly last night, like, no one independently confirmed that there was a foreign substance on his arm. So without that happening with an umpire during the game, like a la Michael Pineda three years ago, there's just there's no exposure to uh, to Barnes. Yeah. I mean, and it, with the Barnes thing uh, specifically, there was no media cooperation. There was a viral video that some redneck guy from Texas took from his living room couch that made its rounds. And... I only found one writer from Yahoo Sports, and it wasn't even Jeff Passan, their rock star writer. Um, there was only really one report of it. So there's been some Red Sox reports about this current incident with the camera. I did see John Heyman talk about it. So it just it all depends on how it percolates with them. If they decide that they're just going to cover the series and and you know not really talk about it, then you're probably right. It'll, you know, in early January, they'll be like, oh, by the way, this is the re result of it or whatever. And by spring training, you know, it'll be an afterthought. But, um, 
We'll see. It, yeah, yeah, we'll see. And I'll tell you another thing, too. If that was the Red Sox, it probably would have been worse because the Patriots with the Flategate, you know, and everybody loves to shit on us. We're cheaters. We're all racists, apparently. You know, we got a, a pretty good dose of that last year. And, you know, so we, we'll always have a bullseye on our back no matter what. So it's just it's kind of rare that we're on the – other end of this you know the yeah and i i I like that we're under the microscope because it means we're relevant and people are generally jealous of the success yeah and it just i'm you know it's the easiest thing in sports to be a fan of boston sports teams right now it's just the the level of success is unprecedented and there's so many fans media members because media members are not above getting petty um players um and the league wants to show that there's no, you know, there's no bias towards the good team. So they, they tend to over, you know, it's, it's like the little league coach who actually goes over the top on his son because he doesn't want to show favoritism. And that's a lot of what happens to Boston sports teams generally. Um, so, look, I don't hate it because, again, it's, we're still there all the time. And I get that. So it is what it is. If it was the Red Sox, I mean, Jesus Christ, they would have, they, maybe they would have had a suspension in place by the time the third inning ended. You know, they, they maybe they would have sent in Houston cops to arrest Cora right out of the fucking dugout. But, you know, it is what it is. It's not us. Again, I, I don't place any importance on it. I just don't want to see it affect the series. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I, mean, I totally agree with you. We, we get dealt with differently generally across all four major sports teams, you know, because, gener- you know, again, the, it, you know, the, the guy holding to the top of the flagpole is typically seeing the most wind. So right. it's a good place to be in my mind. couple other uh, unrelated notes now. Uh, just for shits and giggles, um, I'm seeing this on Twitter right now. Uh, Roberto Osuna only had one blown save during the regular season this year, and uh, it was w- against the Red Sox while he was still with Toronto. And then his career ERA against Boston coming into this game was uh, 5.28 with five blown saves altogether, which is astronomical. To have that many against one team is just unreal. And his ERA after this game, um, you know, merging it in with the regular season, is uh, 6.67. So we own him. Like, that's that's pretty awful stuff, you know. For one Kelly, reason. you know how much I don't like to give you credit, but I'm going to give you credit here. You called that. <laughs> I, you, called, you called that before. The, you called that in our preview of the series. Uh, I think you exactly said that same phrase. We own that guy. I'm not worried about him. Um, and I think that you know credit to me because you know how much I don't like to give you credit. <laughs> okay, I think you're starting to like it though. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Well, I've been wrong enough times where it's like it'd be silly not to just give you the credit you deserve. You nailed that one. (laughs) I mean, we absolutely owned him today. I mean, a lot of it was his own doing. So, I mean, you don't own a guy who just keeps throwing at you, right? Like you hit a guy in the foot, you hit a guy in the elbow. By the way, I'd like to go on record. Kinsler would have moved his back foot and, 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 and not got hit by that pitch and then would have rolled over on a fastball. And uh, Moreland would have never hit that inning. And Bradley Jr. would have never hit that any if Kinsler was in that spot. So, you know, just generally speaking, uh, Kinsler absolutely sucks. Uh, and I'd like to get into the, the decision to start Nunez and his effect on this game. But, but, but um, yeah, no, I mean, you're right. It sucks. 
I don't want to admit it. I hate to admit it. My skin's crawling right now, but you were right. <laughs> it's it's just crazy to me that they didn't have the foresight to kind of predict this, you know, because one of the reasons Dombrowski got Pierce was because the Mariners were really good at the time and were kind of looking like they were going to be a wild card team. And Pierce had great numbers against uh, Paxton. Who, who throw the new hit, no hitter for the uh, Mariners? So that was part of the motivation, and um, you know, Evaldi was a Yankee killer. So you know, there's a little little to go with that, but um, you know, so it's just crazy that they a traded him and then b put him into a high leverage situation today with. Uh, numbers that were apparently and those numbers are more glaring than i thought i just remember like two or three blown saves that you know we got to him and and you know i, I didn't well, know the, other, the extent of it the other thing too is i already highlighted it like presley was so got 13 pitches 10 strikes two strikeouts that inning lasted about 42 seconds why not keep presley in the game aj hinch yeah you know i mean you 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 nailed the asuna thing so I refuse to believe that you're smarter than A.J. Hinch. <laughs> yeah, and I shouldn't be. So right. see how I turn this back against you, Yeah, uh, perfect. Um, so if, obviously, if, if you've seen it, um, you know, and again, I give you all the credit in the world, and that's not a joke. I do give you all the credit in the world because I think you absolutely nailed it. A.J. Hinch had to have had the information. Now, whether he placed the same value on it that you did, I don't think he did. Uh, because it just didn't make any sense to go with Suna there when Presley was so goddamn dominant the inning before. Um, but, you know, by the way, thank God he did because Sox are up 2-1. And if they if they walk into Houston tomorrow and win, God damn it, do I love our chances, man. Holy yeah. smokes up 3-1. Don't even tease me with that. I'm not going to count my chickens, though, because, I mean, we've been on their end of it and came back and won, so I... You know, and uh, the other thing I was actually going to mention is uh, Chris Sale. Where was that one? Right here. He says um, he feels good enough to to pitch, and uh, th- those are the exact quotes. Good enough, and uh, he's slated to throw a bullpen session tomorrow, and then the final decision on Thursday gets made. And I've heard all kinds of speculation from. Erod possibly starting to them bullpenning game five and then maybe starting sale game six where there's an off day in between and whatever. So um, I guess tomorrow right, will be so, really telling. I, okay. I, I want to touch on McKinsey Nunez roster moves. And I want to touch on Pierce quickly yep. before we move to, to predicting tomorrow. But just quickly on this. Um, I think it was Pete Abraham, who I absolutely – I'm not a huge fan of, but I thought he asked a great question today in Alex Cora's pregame press conference, uh, which was something to the effect of, did David uh, – oh, my God, I just did it again. Jesus Christ, Jeremy. Did Chris Sale's hospital trip have anything to do with the effect of medication used to pitch game one? Um Toradol, um, which is typically used in the NFL, um, I'm not. I don't think it's widespread in the in, in Major League Baseball. Uh, 
painkillers, various types of painkillers can actually cause nausea and vomiting in certain people, especially when there's not a history of use of that specific medication. I thought it was an absolute home run question. Um, I don't think we necessarily got an honest answer um, because I have a feeling that it might have been that. I have a feeling that he took some medication to pitch and it it made him sick the day after. Um, and so he has to go in the hospital because it was it was caused by a medication, not by some sort of virus or bacteria. And so he's in the hospital to, for whatever reason, to get his stomach pumped, to give him a different medication to counteract it. I don't know. It's uh, it's concerning. And then they're not committing to him in Game Five, which is kind of again like another factor. Like there's some, there's where there's smoke, there's fire happening here. Um, so I have some concerns now if price can pitch, he's, he's a competitor, right? Like if he can get out there and pitch, I think he's going to pitch and I think he's going to pitch on the day he's asked to pitch like, and, and that being game five. So I just, I, I'd be shocked if he punts to game six, um, because I, where's the difference? I mean, that's only going to happen if this was really like a flu bug. But because if he got sick because he took a medication to pitch, which I tend to think happened, he's probably going to take the same medication to pitch again because he's hurt. So, you know. Well, (sighs) I'm glad you mentioned that. I actually did hear that this morning that the anti-inflammatory meds might have, you know, been, you know, the cause of of his – hospital trip there and you could be right you could be right and i think i said last night you know now that we know we can at least possibly win a game in which david price starts my chief concern last night was how healthy is chris sale and you know how much can he contribute at this point and now we've won tonight so you know, we got a little bit more breathing room, but, and I can't remember if I said this last night. I know I tweeted it for sure, but I mean, are you going to be shocked if three weeks from now when the postseason is over, you know, one way or the other, if Chris Sale has shoulder surgery? I mean, I'm not. No. Yeah. No. Right. So that's. And anyone who would say they'd be shocked by it is not paying attention. Right. I mean, there's look, this is the quintessential, if there's smoke, there's fire, hypothetical. Like, things aren't adding up. I mean, they're just not adding up. You know, and like, in my profession, I'm, you know, I'm like, I'm kind of taught to like ask, you know, the, 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 the question on the other end and, and, and see it from both angles. And I mean, it just seems it just seems there's too many things happening here. It's not just the shoulder. Now it's the hospital visit. Uh, the great question by I think it was again Pete Abraham. Like it all makes sense, right? It just all it, it, or it doesn't. You know, or it doesn't. Like I could see it both ways, but there's enough, you know, toothpicks in the pile to lead to the conclusion that you know there's something that those toothpicks are in that pile because they're hiding something 
So it's really, really concerning. That, you know, um, it's really concerning. But I'll tell you right now, and this is the surprising part. I can't believe I'm about to say this because this is completely against what I said when I predicted Red Sox in, in seven. Because what I said then was Price has to win both starts, and then you got to win two non-Price starts. Sale. Sale. What is wrong with me? You have to win the two sale starts, and then all you have to do is win the two, you know, two non-sale starts. That's not going to happen. I mean, it's already I'm already wrong. Um, so they've proven they can win these games. Like they're not afraid of the moment. Like this team is so different under Cora. Like it, it, they're just so different. Um, so you know, I, I I I'm getting to the point where I don't necessarily think. Sale starting and being, you know, the seven inning version of Sale is the only option here. I think they can piece it together. Yeah, and and they might. And, and it's like I said in the intro, like the unexpected, at least from my own expectations, keeps happening. I, you know, the the two Yankee Stadium wins, the Price game, Evaldi today. So I'm just at the point now where. Anything is possible, and and um, I'm just keeping an open mind at this point. I mean, what else could I do? And yeah, I mean, I agree. And and I we we're at an hour, and I know we typically go about an hour and fifteen, hour and twenty. I really do want to talk about the Kinsler Nunez yeah. uh, versus a Devers Holt situation, if that's okay, Terry. I know this is your show, and I don't mean to step in here, but I really don't want to miss the opportunity to talk about that before we get to game uh, four. Yeah, well, go ahead. Uh, do you, you know, do you have any, do you have any position on that? Because I feel really strongly on on both roster moves here. Well, what do you mean, like? Well, obviously, it's at this point, it's clearly Kinsler, Holt, and Nunez or Devers. Okay. Well, I. I like Holt better in terms of winning, and he's maybe he's a half a step back from Kinsler defensively, but I'm fine with that. Um, I just think if Holt's in the lineup, our chances of winning are, are greater. And same with Devers at this point. I mean, look at that at bat today against Sip, a lefty, and he worked a walk. So I'm not. I'm done with righty-lefty when it comes to that position when they're both not great defensively anyway at third. So I just want the higher, you know, just the the better bat at this point. And if if we replace him defensively in the seventh or eighth inning, fine, do it. But as far as the lineup goes, the starting lineup, I want Devers at third, and I would much rather have Holt play second. All right, the example of an elite defensive player is Bregman. Yep. Tonight was just a perfect example. I've already highlighted I'm not going to talk about it anymore. Yep. Kinsler's not that over Holt. He's not. I'm sorry. He's not. Like, he's, he's not making plays where you're like, oh, God, no one else would make that play. No, he's not. Like, stop it. Please, Cora, I beg you, stop it. Put, put Holt in the game. And let him have consistent at bats, so you get him at his best offensively. And if if he is at his best offensively, and you have a lead in the late innings, and you want to go to Kinsler for defense, then then knock yourself out, Alex. Well, like doing it the other way just doesn't make any sense to me because Kinsler just absolutely he's an automatic out. And like like again, not to you know belabor the point because 
I've said it a hundred different times. Like, I don't give a shit about regular season splits. Kinsler sucks. He's an automatic fucking out. Like, stop it. Like, just stop relying on, you know, game 87 out of 162 analytics. Like, Holt's the better option. And, and, and you're not you're not necessarily casting Kinsler off into the Pacific Ocean. He's still there for defense if you really, truly believe that's the best option. So I'm just, I, again, I'm not as angry as I was last night because we won. But Holt's got to play. Uh, Morton, I think he will be in the lineup tomorrow. Okay. Let me get to my point with Nunez. First of all, he stinks. Okay, he, but and and I'm I'm going to give him a little bit of a reprieve here because he's clearly not healthy. So why are you running him out there when he's clearly some some variation of his full self? Devers is healthy. Devers is productive. They're basically a, a you know a difference without a distinction defensively. So what are you doing? Like, what what is the point that you're trying to prove, Cora? Like, I'm sorry, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Devers, again, like you mentioned against Sip, like, and that was coming off, by the way, he had just made the non-play that let the game get tied. And he went out there and, and drew the walk. And to me, it was it showed a level of maturity for, I think he's only, what, 22? You're better at that stuff than I am, Terry. I think he's 22 years old. And this is he hasn't had a full. This is his first full season in the big leagues. That was a level of maturity that you, I, I frankly was surprised by. So it's just so clearly Kinsler and, and um, Nunez are just not the right guy for the for this lineup right now. I think you got to go Holt endeavors until proven otherwise. Um, now, with that said, uh, and I know Moreland's hurt. But I, can't, I just want to just quickly touch on the fact that Pierce has been such a difference maker. And you specifically identified that the platoon at first uh, was potentially a problem, especially because you hated that they hit third. They put J.D. at third. He's been a complete non-factor. Um, you know, I think he was, he was one for four today with the double early and a walk. So um, I don't think you can understand the fact that one, it's a good story, like I mentioned earlier, him growing up a Red Sox fan. But, you know, he's been great defensively. And great's not a word I use a lot. And he's been really, really good offensively. Yeah, I mean, he comes through in big moments. And I, I there's nothing to complain about from my end. And, and he's your backup first baseman as well. So, And with Cora's lineup, though, he, he bumped... He does have JD third every day, but he also has Xander four. So he's bumped them both forward at this point. And Xander was number five all year out of the five hole. And and I, I think so Pierce must be in the in the five hole as far as the playoffs go. Um but yeah, I don't know. Pierce yeah, Pierce hit fifth tonight. Yeah, so he's got his playoff alignment that he likes anyway. And another thing about Cora as well, I mean, we were we were really surprised yesterday when, uh, or what, no, it was today, my bad, that um, um, Devers was uh, not in the lineup. And there's this thing about Cora where he won't, he's afraid of hurting people's feelings, you know, and he likes to be this all-inclusive manager, and we're getting away with it. 
but I don't think I don't want to see that long term. And he he likes Nunez, so he wants to include him. And the only the only thing that isn't applicable with that is like Hembry. We're just not seeing him, and we're not seeing Erod for the most part. You know, we did today because it was more of a mop up duty. You know, we had this huge lead, and and that was that. But so we're not really seeing him include them necessarily. But with the lineup, he just he incorporates everybody, and and he's really stubborn about it. You know, I just I want the best lineup out there every night, and and we're not getting it. So. Uh, and, and the more we win, the more we win, the the less we'll get it. So, as as high as our expectations are of Holt being at second tomorrow, I just who knows who who knows. No, Holt's gonna be at second tomorrow. <laughs> okay. he, better, he better be at second tomorrow. Okay. Like, well, I I, I mean, uh, I don't want to get all fired up for no reason and make it ass of myself, which I'm prone to do, but. Well, that that would that would send me it, it, you know that would send me into a dark place because Kinsler absolutely sucks. Oh for three tonight, um, he absolutely would have pulled his foot out of the way of that hit batsman against Osuna. There's no question about it in my mind. Holt Holt Holt, he's just he's a professional hitter like, and he's hot, and he's not such a significant downgrade. You know, so again, I don't want to rehash that. One final thought on the roster before we maybe move to what's going to happen tomorrow, Terry. Swihart again didn't play tonight. He has absolutely no role in this team. Right. With have as bad as the defense has been at third base, you have to make the move if we get to the World Series. You got to have two way Lynn on this roster to play third late in games. You have to have it. It's so obvious to me. It's a slap in the face. It's a bucket of cold water while you're sleeping. There's no role for Swihart, and there is an absolute 100% role for two-way Lynn to play defense at third base. It's so obvious, again, after watching Nunez's inability to turn a double play, uh, Devers' inability to make that play down the line that tied the game. Like, it's got to – I mean – Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm missing something. But two-way Lynn, assuming he's still in baseball shape and still traveling with the team, which maybe I don't know. But if he is and he's still he's staying in shape and he's you know still with the team and preparing, he's got to be on the World Series roster because there's Swihart, Swihart has no role in close games. Yeah, no, I fully agree. I mean, I, I forgot he was even on the roster, you know, for the most part. So. Um, Hopefully it happens, and, and you know what? Who's to say it doesn't happen tomorrow? Because we don't we don't know what's going on with Nunez really. So maybe it happens sooner than we think. And and how great well, that's would that a good be? point, Terry. You could say he's injured and put him on the roster for tomorrow. Yeah, if it, we would lose Nunez for the World Series, but I mean, you know, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Um, but yeah, so that it's it's definitely a possibility, and I I mean as much as I clamor for uh, Devers to be in there, I mean if we're sitting on just a one or two run lead, you know I, I would definitely put Zue Lin in there, you know because mm. I mean as impressive as Brazier Barnes and and Kelly have been, I mean I mean even Uihara blew a blew a save in t- twenty thirteen, so. 
you know, a- anything can happen. Um, is there anything else you wanted to cover before we do uh, just briefly get through uh, tomorrow's start? No, I'm ready to go. Okay. I've got some comments on Morton. Okay. Yeah, well, uh, with the, as far as the Red Sox are concerned, it's Porcello. His numbers, he did have one decent start this year, so um, against the Astros. I don't know what his career numbers are, but um, and he wasn't that great in, in the one postseason start last year against them, but um, he is pitching fairly well as of late, and I fully expect him to go at least six innings or so. I And if you could even squeeze out a seventh, I mean, how uh, convenient would that be? Well, I think it would be a big factor. Um, I think there was a reason why they pulled Barnes after 15 pitches. Once they got um, – I'm going to space it on who the next guy was. But once they got the next guy uh, loose, uh, Kelly. Once they got Kelly loose, they brought him right in the game. And that was an indication that – they want to have Brazier and Barnes ready for tomorrow. And I think they are. And, uh, you know, I, I agree with you. I expect a lot from Porcello tomorrow, which is kind of surprising. Um, and, you know, the track record or his last start against Houston, like I'm not sure I'm going to place a ton of ton of um, impetus on that because – He's been nails. He's been tough as hell this postseason. And to me, uh, along with Avaldi, he has shown nothing but, like, just balls. Like, again, not to continue to say the same things, but why not? Um, I'm kind of good at saying the same things. Um, he's pitching out of his role in the eighth inning and dominating. He then makes a start and gives you an absolute chance to win, and you do win that game. I expect the same thing tomorrow. Now, I don't think he's going to be like seven innings, zero runs, two hits, zero walks. I don't think that. That's not what Porcello is. I, I think he's going to maybe do what Avolti did, which is pass the game off in the sixth or seventh inning to the bullpen with a real chance to win the game, whether you have the lead or not. You know, I think it's he's going to he's going to limit you to two or three runs, and he's going to give you a real, real possibility to, uh, to win the game. I, there's there's nothing in the last three weeks that would suggest he won't. Yeah, and I mean, he has the he had the Yankees number. You know, he had the complete game one hitter in August, and then he went I think seven innings in his uh, ALDS start against them, and just really has them figured out. I don't, you know, Evaldi. I guess today's start would be a pretty good comp. I I do expect. The Astros to get on base here and there. Um, he hasn't been giving up home runs as of late. In the first two months of the year, I don't think he gave up a single one. And then, you know, the summer was a little little rough. And, and lately, he, he has it pretty well reined in. And he's been a pro since 2008. He's been in the majors. He was, I think he was 20 when he uh, made his debut. So he's been a while, around a while. And I, I think that kind of... You know, that helps him settle in. You know, he's been in a lot of big moments, a lot of big games, and um, I don't think he's going to be rattled at all tomorrow. And he's got a lot of confidence. We're we're up a game, and we're swinging a good bat as well. And so, uh, you know, I, I'm not really – I'm not worried about it. You know, I feel a lot better about it than I might have, you know, coming into the – 
playoffs, you know, two weeks ago or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I was a little bit nervous that I'm optimistic, and now you're optimistic, so I'm, like, petrified. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I, 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 I've said this now, like, three times in this podcast, which, again, is con- deeply concerning, as I agree with you. Um, I'm confident. Um, I'm actually excited for tomorrow's game, um, which says a lot because I don't enjoy these games you know, whatsoever. I didn't enjoy tonight's game until Bradley hit that ball for the four-run job. But, um, no, I mean, I, I, I can't believe I can't have about I believe in Rick Porcello. I believe – I don't believe that he's going to be, you know, Pedro Martinez in his prime or Kurt Schilling in his prime or any of the, you know, Josh Beckett's. I, I What I think I, – I just feel really confident that it's going to be, you know, Red Sox 3-2 to two in the sixth inning and he's going to pass it off to Brazier. And, you know, it's going to be a lot like tonight's game until Bradley hit the home run. I, I, I just feel like I feel very strongly about it. Um, you know, I, I think the unknown is Morton. Um, so just to throw a little bit of statistics at you here, Terry, even though you're the you're the stats guy, I'm going to throw it at you this this time. 4.23 ERA. He's 75 and 81. All right. With a career whip of 137, which is middling. 2018, 3.13, 15 and 3, 201 strikeouts, 1.16 ERA. Jesus Christ, does that scare me? Like, yeah. And, and he hasn't he hasn't pitched, so I think you may get a little bit of the Asuna treatment where he's just not sharp, especially early. Like, it was so important to get to Keuchel today early because, you know, one that's – I think I read a stat that he has like a 6.8 ERA in the first inning – despite the fact that he's like a 3.74 on the year. So it was one of those things where I was like watching the first thing, like, please score runs, please get to him early. Cause this is our, you know, potentially our best chance. Like early crooked number against Morton before he settles down. He hasn't pitched. He hasn't, he, you know, I don't think they swept Cleveland. So he didn't start a game in that series. He did. And, and actually now that he did, Oh, he did not. I'm sorry. I was agreeing. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I misheard you. I thought you said he did. No. So he hasn't started a game since a regular season. Like, I love that. And Porcello, by the way, is pitching like every two days. So he's in the he's in the field of this series. He's ready to roll. Uh, he's already pitched in big moments and succeeded. So I just, uh, you know, we've already talked about our success, uh, um, not our success, our um, optimism with Rick. Morton hasn't done anything in two and a half weeks. So... You know, please, Charlie Morton, come out and not be good tomorrow that's, because Rick's going to be good enough to give you a chance to win. That's the good news is he hasn't done much in two and a half weeks, but um, here's the bad news. You have to go – well, maybe maybe it's good news now that I'm looking at the exact game, but you, you have to go all the way back to June 3rd, the last time anybody put up a crooked number on him. Here it is. Since June 3rd, I mean, I'm just going to read them all off because it's impressive. Uh, So his next start was June 9th, and I'm going to go all the way to the end of the season. These are his earned runs given up. 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 1, 1, 1, 0, 0, 1, 1, 1, 1, 0. 0 earned runs. 
all the way to June 2nd till any, uh, anybody put up a crooked number on him, actually June 3rd. Um, and that was the Red Sox, and it was only two. That was the crooked number. He gave up two runs. So, jeez, oh, Terry, you really know how to ruin my optimism. <laughs> um, you know, uh, you know, and I've said this to you before. You really know how to spin a tail. Um, look, I know he's been good. The stats, I mean, three point one three ERA. Um, you know, he he's fifteen and three, two over two hundred strikeouts, one point one six WHIP. The numbers speak for themselves. What you just uh, said, I think, only just confirms that he's actually been stronger. So obviously, his earned runs were pre-June, which is like crazy to even think. Um, so he probably had like a, you know, he probably got roughed around a, a couple times early, and then he's just been like probably sub two ERA since. So that's a problem. And you know, if we went by those sorts of stats in this series so far, we should be down 0-3. I, you know, um, I, I'm. I'm I gotta stop not. you. Hang on, I'm an idiot. I looked at the wrong column. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, I was looking at his home runs. Um, his earned runs, though, not. He had one bad start on uh, August 22nd against Seattle, which is actually a very good hitting team. Gave up six, but um, beyond that. Uh, he hasn't given up more than three since um, July 7th. So from July 12th forward, other than that one Houston start, he's given up three or less. And in a lot of those, it was uh, just one or two. And then he gave up nothing in his uh, last start of the season. Yeah, I mean, okay, so uh, don't mind that you've made a mistake because it makes me <laughs> look did. better. Yeah, um, but... <laughs> that was my bad. <laughs> I don't think it changes the analysis. I mean, he's been good. He has. Right? He's been really good. He's, I mean, those numbers, I didn't really know how to respond to him, so I just basically recited his year-long numbers because they were like, they sounded so outrageous. So, um, But look, he's been good. I mean, he's like 3.13, 200 strikeouts, 1.16 ERA. You know, he's probably going to get Cy Young votes. So um, it's a little – I mean, it, one of the things that speaks to the depth of this rotation with the Astros that this this guy is pitching game four. Like, Jesus Christ, I would love to have him instead of Price or, you know, probably Evaldi but for what he's done so far and probably but for Porcello what he's done so far. So, But, again, look, the game of baseball is a game of feel. And sharpness is a, is largely dependent on the consistent application of the skill. And he hasn't applied the skill of pitching in two weeks. I just, you know, maybe I'm wrong, right? Maybe he comes out and he's, unlike Keiko and Evaldi today, he's sharp in the first and he, you know, and he, he gets through a clean first inning and he's dominant. And, you know, I've been wrong before, obviously. Um, I just that gives me some optimism that this guy hasn't pitched in two weeks, and um, as good as he's been, he's a, still a career four-two-three guy. I mean, he's thirty-four years old, so um, he's on the back end of his career, and he's had a career year. Um, <clears throat> you know, he's still a, he's still under five hundred winning percentage. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I, I like to think that water finds its level, and especially when he hasn't thrown in a while. I, you know, I expect to at least, again, 
with Barcelo and with the way the offense is produced, um, I, I think we're going to get to the bullpens and on both teams. And I and I just find I, I feel very strongly that we're going to have a chance to win the game. Yeah, and that that was actually the next thing I wanted to touch on is um, he only pitched 167 innings, which is kind of low. I'm not aware of any DL stints for him. Uh, I do notice there's a lot of short starts, especially in the last six weeks. He's gone five innings or less all but one time. So um, that tells me, you know, they do kind of like to get to the pen a little bit quicker with him and um, that may or may not be a good thing. I mean, obviously, we don't want to see Ryan Presley any more than we have to. But, um, you know, if if the inactivity, and that, that could play a role, if that just leads to a three-run first inning and then he settles down, maybe that's all we need. Maybe, maybe you know, those three runs and then maybe just score one later on or whatever and Porcello's lights out, then maybe that's good enough. So we'll see. But at least we're coming into this with a, with a two-run lead. And I don't think our team, the Red Sox, is going to be cocky at all. I don't think they're taking anything for granted. So I think the the pedal's going to stay to the metal, and, and uh, we're going to grind out as much as we can. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think I, you know, on that last point, and one of the reasons why I give this team just cho- just so much goddamn credit is they know that they have to be great because sales not sale, and price is price, and um, I think it just shows their toughness and the fact that they're they don't give a fuck. They they don't they don't care what the narrative is nationally, and they don't care that Bregman posted the video on Instagram of Evaldi giving up back to back to back jobs uh, when he was still pitching for the Double Rays earlier in the year. So I mean, this team. Um, I mean, I, look, I've watched so many games this year, um, and you start to feel like you're part of the team. And I know that's kind of homerish, and you're probably over there rolling your eyes so hard you may have passed out. But, um, like, I'm so proud to root for this team. I, I love standing behind a team that has that level of toughness. And it's so easy to root for them. Um, they don't have any typically bad actors, which I know you, you, you know, I, I've gone on record. Like, I don't care if you're a good person or a bad person. Just be, be productive. But it hasn't been an issue with this team. So um, – I expect them to come out tomorrow in full support of Porcello. I expect Mookie Betts to come out in that first at bat, and maybe he doesn't get a hit. But I'm going to tell you right now, I'd be shocked if he didn't put a good swing on one of those first, you know, the, uh, one of those pitches in his first at bat. And and and, and Ben Intendi is is going to give you make plays that have an effect on the game. So I just I'm 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 oct- I'm optimistic. Um, it's a little bit troubling because I I haven't been since we had that the most depressing podcast of all time and after game one, but you know, um, let's see what happens tomorrow, man. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm I don't think they're going to, you know, I think it's equally likely that they lose or they win, but, um, for the first time in this series, it's, it just seems clear to me that then the moment's not going to be too big for almost anybody. And in fact, I think they're going to, their, their intention is to go meet the moment. Right. 
And Bregman uh, kind of jinxed himself anyway by having that video up for like five minutes or whatever. Well, he didn't jinx himself because he's he's an animal. But maybe he jinxed the, jinxed the Astros. That's what, which yeah. Is fine. That's probably what happened. Yeah. Well, all right. I guess we'll wrap on that and uh, reconvene tomorrow night. It's probably going to be a late one, uh, 8.30 uh, game time. So, um, um Hopefully it'll be a happy one, at least. You still there, bud? Yeah, no, I'm here. And, and, okay. and I, I, whether they win or lose, um, I think it's important that they play a certain way for the rest of the series. Because if they do lose tomorrow, and I don't think, and it's not a foregone conclusion. In fact, I really like their chances to win the game. It becomes a three-game series. And this team has always met the moment this year. It's been constant. We, 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 you know, I don't want to have to go back and listen to our game one podcast, but it was so depressing. It was so down. It was, the, you know, the, the sun will not rise tomorrow. And guess what this team did? They came out in back-to-back games and just absolutely really dominated. Um, so I, I, what I'd be really shocked about tomorrow is to see, like, a 10 to nothing loss. Um, that would be really surprising. I just think they won't go quietly into the night, even if they lose. And if that's if I'm if I'm right, even if they do lose the game tomorrow, I feel strongly that they can win the next two out of three, especially because two of those games are potentially in Boston. Yeah, I'm a little more cautious, um, just because we don't know what Sale is and we don't know what the game plan even is if, if he's not right. So there's that, and then I mean Price is going to be stressful no matter what, and. Um, so who, who knows how he handles that. And I, I think this lineup might've learned more from him than he learned from it. And so I just, I don't want to, I just don't want to count my chickens, but a win tomorrow means you go one out of three. And then, then I'm supremely confident, uh, after that. So, um, but we'll, we'll just see how it plays out, I guess. Cause there's a hundred different scenarios. Yep, yep. I mean, I just <clears> – <throat> I think the lineup's going to give you a chance to win tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, they've just showed – I mean, and by the way, the Astros have the better pitching staff. This, I mean, let's not lose sight of the fact that this lineup has met the challenge. And they have st- they have scored in m- multiple innings. They put up cricket numbers. Um, I just think it's a really good precursor for a team – to win a game where your starter doesn't, you know, theoretically give you a chance, especially if like Sale comes out and he's just not himself and he, he, you know, he's only going to give you two, three, four innings again. Um, I don't think it's an automatic loss, and I don't think David Price is start, and I don't expect him to pitch well, obviously, but I just don't think it's an automatic loss. I think this team's going to fight and they're going to tra- they're going to at least give you a chance to win late. So. And, and you know, look, I know by our nature, I'm generally more optimistic than you are, but. Um, I feel like the 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 outcome of the last two games really supports that this team is going to give you a chance to win even with bad pitching. Yeah, and you could be right. I mean, because maybe we're in Garrett Cole's head. He's going to go game six, I'm assuming. And I, I don't like the Verlander start at all. And that's what, what, tentatively when Sale's going to go and – who knows if it becomes more of a bullpen game, you know, if he can only go two or three. Um, but, I mean, Verlander's the one guy that I just 
you know, he's going to he's going to pitch fairly well. He's not going to go out there and give up a dud and maybe Cole will and then who the hell knows with game 7 cuz it's all all hands on deck at that point. I I kind of like us in that scenario a little bit because we know Porcello is going to be good for a few. Price is pretty solid out of the pen, especially if you can kind of keep him away from Gonzalez and Correa and um you know, and then situationally, you know, Brazier and Barnes and maybe even Kelly should be fine. So, um, so and the games at Fenway Park, which we've guaranteed that we will see another game in Fenway Park. Yep. And optimistically, if they are able to win tomorrow um, and game five, then game one of the World Series will be at Fenway Park. Yep. If not, we're going to get a game six at Fenway Park. So, yeah, there's a lot of reason for optimism. Yep. All right, man. We'll uh, we'll leave it at that and uh, and uh, enjoy uh, another uh, Porcello start tomorrow. Terry, as always, really appreciate having me on. Thank you. Yep. Have a good night, man. Okay. Uh, the Red Sox have a lead in the ALCS. You know, it's. Uh, I didn't think we'd have a lead, to be honest with you. I, I said six to, no, excuse me, four to two Astros. And, um, and, uh, that's, well, I guess, I mean, it, you know, that's still in play, I guess, but not, most likely not. So, uh, we'll see tomorrow. It could be three to one. And then, like I said, I love our chances to go one out of three. So, everyone have a good, uh, Good ride to work, and uh, hopefully, uh, well, everybody kind of probably went to bed early though with the earlier start. So we'll see you all tomorrow night. I'm told.